Remain standing for our gospel lesson, which is also our sermon text from Matthew 5, verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Thus far the reading of God's word. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for your word. And help us today to meditate on it, to think about it in a way that glorifies you and that drives us to obedience, that drives us to becoming doers of your word and not hearers only. We confess that we need your help. We need your spirit who inspired this word to work it into our hearts so that we can receive it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Two men face each other in front of the governor's palace. One was Jesus Christ, the meekest man who ever lived. The other was Pontius Pilate, a man of extraordinary pride. Jesus appeared to be the epitome of weakness. He was a poor Jew who found himself on the wrong side of Roman history. He appeared to be frail and powerless. He was destined to be obliterated from the earth with no inheritance. Pilate, on the other hand, was the personification of Roman power. The tides of history were with him. They were behind him. He was an heir to the earth. Each of these two men is a walking paradox. Jesus Christ, the prisoner, is the free man. The man in custody is actually in absolute control of the whole universe. Jesus, the meek man, would not just inherit the earth, he would also inherit the heavens. On the other hand, Pilate, the free man, is the prisoner of his own pride. The Roman governor of Judah, of Judea, cannot control his own soul. Pilate, the proud man, would have no inheritance. He would inherit nothing. Jesus not only taught, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth, He didn't just teach it, he also lived it out. He lived out this paradox. He lived it all the way to his death. His whole life is an example of how the meek inherit the earth. They inherit everything in the end. The teachings of Jesus are peppered with paradoxes. The last is first. Giving is receiving. Dying is living. Losing is finding. The least is the greatest. The poor are rich. Weakness is strength. The servant of all is the greatest of all. 
You see, for Christ, paradoxes were an effective way of getting people to see spiritual truths. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. The beauty of a paradox, as we've talked about before in previous sermons on the Beatitudes, is that a paradox grabs our attention. It creates tension in our minds. It, it creates cognitive dissonance or dis, unrest. In the case of Matthew 5, 5, it seems far truer to say, blessed are the proud. Blessed are the ones who intimidate. For they shall inherit the earth. Most people don't naturally associate happiness and earthly inheritance with meekness. The world associates happiness and blessedness with comfort and material possessions, with position and power. And the world believes that you achieve these things that supposedly bring you happiness and blessedness. You achieve them through ability, skill, strength, hard work, self-assurance, self-assertion, conquest. The religious leaders of Christ's day are just like us. They sought happiness through power and through material wealth, through having positions. Christ's statement would have been a shock to them just as it is a shock to us in the modern world. We seek happiness through homes and their contents, through success and the praise of men, through power and status symbols, through money and the things that it buys. We avoid situations that might make us feel weak or appear weak. The third beatitude confronts us no less than it confronted the original hearers. Against all the worldly ambitions and outlooks on life, Jesus teaches that meekness must be a characteristic of those who will inherit the earth, who will share in His kingdom. Jesus is not teaching the survival of the fittest. He's teaching the survival of the meekest. It's upside down. It's counterintuitive. It goes against the grain of the wisdom of the world. When we look around at how the world works, we're tempted to question Jesus. How on earth are the meek going to inherit anything? Life just doesn't work that way. That's not how the corporate world works. It's not how anything works. Matthew 5, 5 breaks the law of nature. The laws of society. So just look around. Just look at the people who are rich and famous. Look at the people who occupy the mansions and the executive suites. It's the strong, the self-sufficient, the overbearing, the capable, the aggressive, the ambitious. 
the last thing the average man wants to be known for is being meek. Seems that Jesus made a great mistake here. But of course, we know that our Lord has not made a mistake. In fact, this beatitude provides an infallible law of life and a remarkable, remarkable power for living well and dying well. Meekness must characterize those who are to share in Christ's kingdom. The other biblical writers say the same thing. They help flesh out what Jesus is saying here. James writes that meekness must characterize your response to God's truth, to God's word. Did you know that? It must characterize your response to God's word. James 1.21 Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant, wick, rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. The word that has been implanted inside of you is able to save your soul, but you must receive it with meekness. Peter tells Christians to witness to others in a spirit of weakness. 1 Peter 3.15 Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. In Galatians, Paul lists meekness as one of the fruits of the Spirit. Galatians 5, and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, and self-control. A lot of translations say gentleness because meekness and gentleness are synonyms. But it's the same word, the same root there in that word that we find in Matthew 5.5 5, that gets translated meek. So gentleness or gentle uh, is the same as meekness or meek. A meek person or a gentle person is a person whose strength and power are submissive to God and oftentimes invisible to the world. Let me say that again. A, a meek person or a gentle person is a person whose strength and power is, are submissive to God and oftentimes invisible to the world. Paul commands Christians to address one another in a spirit of meekness, especially when we are confronting sin. For example, in Galatians 6.1, Paul writes, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness or a spirit of meekness, considering, considering yourself lest you also be tempted. If you sense that God is leading you to confront your brother or your sister about something, the first thing that you should do is put on a spirit of meekness. This accomplishes two things. Paul says that it prevents you from falling into sin yourself. 
but it also makes it easier for the other person to see his own sin since they're not being distracted by your sin. One more verse from Paul about meekness. Colossians 3.12 Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering or patience. So taken together, these verses, these passages of Scripture teach us four things about meekness. One, meekness is a pathway to your blessedness and happiness. Without meekness, there is no long-term blessings or happiness for you. With meekness, you will inherit more than you can imagine. With meekness, you'll inherit more than you can imagine. Two, meekness is how you bless other believers. Your meekness makes it possible for God's Spirit to work through you for the benefit of other Christians. Three, meekness is how you witness to the world. That's what Peter says. There are few things worse than giving a reason for the hope that is inside of you with the haughty spirit. That's why Paul says to defend your faith always in meekness and fear. And four, meekness is not a natural characteristic of men. Meekness is not something that you can conjure up on your own. It's not something that you can dig deep and find in your heart apart from God and His grace. If it's there, it's there because God put it there. Meekness is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's the result of God's supernatural supernatural working in your life. Now, before we go any further, we need to stop and ask, what does blessed are the meek mean? Specifically, what does the word meek or gentle mean? It might help to consider first what it doesn't mean. One Reformed preacher and theologian put it this way. Understand first that meekness is not weakness. It does not denote cowardice or spinelessness or timidity or the willingness to have peace at any cost. Neither does meekness suggest indecisiveness, wishy-washiness, or a lack of confidence. Meekness does not imply shyness or a withdrawn personality as contrasted with that of an extrovert. Nor can meekness be reduced to mere niceness. End quote. So that's what it doesn't mean. But what does it mean positively? The word meek has both a vertical dimension and a horizontal dimension. The vertical dimension has to do with how we relate to God. The horizontal dimension has to do with how we relate to one another and with all of creation, really. So let's look at the horizontal connotations first and then we'll consider the vertical connotations. 
In classical Greek, the word meek was used to describe tame animals or soothing medicine or a mild word or a gentle breeze. One commentator said that the word meek is a word with a caress in it. The New Testament bears the same sense in certain places. Gentleness and meekness are, we could say, caressing words. They connote mildness. Meekness or gentleness also implies self-control. Even the Greek philosophers talked about this. They said, Aristotle said that meekness is the proper balance between excessive anger and excessive angerlessness. And that's what we see in Scripture, how the word is used. The man who is meek is poised when he is angry, just as Jesus was poised when he was angry. Meekness is strength under control. The meek person is strong, but not domineering. He is powerful, but not imperious. He is gentle, meek, and mild at the proper time, even when he is in charge. He's as strong as steel, but he's tender. He's tender steel. A meek Christian man or woman is tender steel. So that's the horizontal sense of the word meek. But meekness is also a vertical virtue in Scripture. Meekness is the characteristic that makes a a person bow low before God so that God might lift him up and exalt him before men. Meekness gives a person courage and boldness because his confidence is in God and not in himself or in other men. This is the primary sense in which Christ uses the word meek in Matthew 5, 5. This vertical sense. And I know this because I know where Jesus got this beatitude. I know where he pulled this beatitude from. Now you may be thinking, wait, I thought Jesus made up the beatitudes. I thought they were original to him. Well, he did make up most of them, but not this one, not the third one. This beatitude actually comes from Psalm 37. And it comes at the end of a long list of commands or exhortations in Psalm 37 to put your trust in God. The first 11 verses of Psalm 37 are about trusting the Lord and resting in the Lord and committing your way to the Lord and waiting patiently on the Lord and letting the Lord take care of your enemies and all the evildoers in the world. Verse 1, don't fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. Verse 2, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Okay, so that's our confidence that God's going to take care of them. So what should our response be to evildoers? Verse 3 in Psalm 37, trust in the Lord and do good. Verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. 
Verse 5, commit your way to the Lord and trust in Him. Verse 7, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Verse 8, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret, it only causes harm. Verse 9, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. Verse 10, for yet a little while and the wicked shall be no more. Verse 11, but the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. So according to this psalm, who are the meek? According to David in Psalm 37, 1-11, who are the meek? They are those who trust in the Lord, who delight themselves in the Lord, who commit their way to the Lord, who wait on the Lord patiently instead of acting in, patient, in impatience. And according to Jesus, it is these who are happy. It is these who are blessed and who will inherit the earth. Psalm 37 teaches us that the virtue of meekness is primarily about how we relate to God and submit ourselves to Him and His will. The meek person puts his trust in God and submits his way to the Lord. He waits on God to vindicate him. He doesn't worry about his life because he's committed it to God. It's in God's hands. Why would he want to take it back into his own hands? He doesn't fret about all the evildoers around him who are offending God, who are offending him, who are offending God's people, whether these people are in the church or outside the church. He doesn't fret about them because he knows God will deal with them in God's time. The passage of Scripture that best sums up what it means to be meek before God is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Some of you have this memorized. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. If you do what these verses say, your life will be characterized by meekness. Therefore, it will be characterized by blessedness and happiness. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, on your own wisdom. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and submit yourself to Him and He will direct your paths. He'll unfold your life perfectly. That's what it means to be meek before God. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. All of this is illustrated very well in a remarkable story that we find in Numbers 12. There's one sentence embedded in Numbers 12 which tells us that the main character of the story was the meekest man on the face of the earth. Do you remember who that man was? It was Moses. The story is about the rebellion of Miriam and Aaron, Moses' sister and brother. And listen to the first three verses of Numbers 12. Then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. So they said, 
Has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has He not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. And then verse 3 is a parenthetical statement. Now the man Moses was very meek. More than all men who were on the face of the earth. Why does verse 3 stop the flow of the story, the flow of the narrative, to insert this parenthetical comment about the meekness of Moses. It's because the story in Numbers 12 goes on to illustrate the meekness of Moses. That's one of the main things that we get out of this story. Moses did not take matters into his own hands. Aaron and Miriam were in serious sin. They were in rebellion against God and they were undermining Moses and his authority. But Moses didn't rush to confront them. He didn't challenge his brother and sister in his own strength and in his own wisdom and in his own timing. Instead, he waited on God. He put Psalm 37, 1 to 11 into practice even though it hadn't been written yet. The rebellion of Aaron and Miriam no doubt made Moses angry just as it made God angry with a righteous anger. But Moses put into practice Psalm 37, especially Psalm 37, 8. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. Rather than causing harm, Moses practiced meekness. He trusted in the Lord with all his heart and he leaned not on his own understanding. He didn't do that perfectly Every day of his life. We know that from other places. But he did here. He acknowledged God in all his ways. And God directed his paths. And God did what God says he will do in these kinds of situations in Psalm 37. At the end of the story, in Numbers 12, we even find Moses praying for his rebellious sister. God had judged Miriam by giving her leprosy. And when Aaron begged Moses to heal her, Moses didn't give them the cold shoulder. He didn't say, I told you so. No, he cried out the Lord, cried out to the Lord, saying, Please heal her, O oh God, please. I encourage you to go home and read all of Numbers 12 and ask yourself, what was the conduct of Moses through this incident? How did he illustrate or exemplify meekness? What was the conduct of the meekest man on the face of the whole earth? Did he seek to defend himself against his accusers? Not at all. Moses submitted himself to God. He bowed low before God and he was vindicated. Meekness of this sort will take off its shoes before the burning bush in the presence of God and yet it will obey God by walking up to the most powerful ruler, the mightiest king of the day and demanding This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, let my people go. 
So Moses is a wonderful example of meekness. But he is only a forerunner to the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the meekest of all. Jesus lived out, lives out Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 perfectly. He did it every day of his life on earth. He even did it all the way to death while he was dying. Remember what Peter says about Jesus in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 22 and 23. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued to entrust himself to him who judges justly. That is what meekness looks like. It doesn't make threats. It doesn't act in its own power. Instead, it entrusts itself to God who judges justly. Jesus never retaliated. He was, he was never vindictive. When he was mocked and spat upon, he answered nothing. And he entrusted himself to God fully. When he was confronted by Pilate, he kept silent. When his friends betrayed him and fled, he uttered no reproach. When Peter denied him, after Peter denied him, he restored him to fellowship and service. When Judas came and kissed him on the, on the cheek in Gethsemane, Jesus called him friend. And Jesus meant it. He was never insincere. Even in the throes of death, he pleaded, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. In all of this, Jesus was meek and he was mild. He was in control. He radiated strength and power by way of meekness. The third beatitude goes on to teach that the meek shall inherit the earth. So what does this mean? There's a sense in which the meek inherit the earth now. The meek in one sense have already inherited everything. The meek man is the man who is satisfied and therefore content and who can therefore confess and believe that he has been given all things. Paul was such a man. He owned very little, yet he spoke of himself in 2 Corinthians 6 verse 10 as possessing all things. All things. As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. As poor, yet making many rich. As having nothing and yet possessing all things. That was how Paul saw himself. Paul didn't just believe this about himself. He also reminded the Corinthians that it was true of them as well. Everything had already been given to them in Christ. And that's true of you and me. Listen to what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 3. Let no one boast in men, for all things are yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas 
or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours. And you are Christ's and Christ is God's. So there's a, there's a present tense to this inheritance. We've inherited it and we have it already in one sense in Christ. At the same time, the promise of Christ in Matthew 5, 5 has a future reference. It falls in line with Paul's reminder in 1 Corinthians 6 that the saints will judge the world. And we will even judge the angels, Paul says. You will judge the world and you will judge the angels if you are a Christian because you are God's heir and you are a joint heir with Jesus Christ. There may be sorrow now. There may be suffering, but the kingdom of heaven is yours and you will inherit the earth in the fullness of that statement, in the fullest sense. 2 Timothy 2, verses 11 and 12, Paul says, The saying is trustworthy. If we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If meekness brings happiness, if meekness is how you inherit the earth and the blessings of God, then we need to ask, how do we become Meek. How do you become a meek person? There are at least two paths to Christ-like meekness. First, you must realize that a gentle, meek spirit is a gift of the Holy Spirit. It's God's fruit, not yours. It comes by grace alone. It's not your own doing It is a gift of God, to use Paul's language from Ephesians 2. This means that you must cast yourself upon God, asking Him in humble prayer to instill in you a spirit of meekness. Ask humbly, but also ask boldly, with confidence, because you know that if you ask anything according to His will, He will do it. Your prayers for the fruit of the Spirit And for the characteristics of the Beatitudes ought to be continual prayers, ongoing prayers, because every soul needs to grow in grace, regardless of one's level of spirituality, of spiritual maturity. Second, you must yoke yourself to Christ. You must yoke yourself to Jesus Christ, because He is the incarnation of, of meekness. Jesus said of himself in Matthew 11, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus promises that if you yoke yourself to him, you will learn meekness and humility from him who is meek and humble in heart. In biblical times, a young ox was yoked to an older ox, a more experienced ox, so that the older would train the younger. 
by bearing the same yoke, the untrained ox learned its proper place. It learned how to obey its master's commands. You learn by being yoked to Christ as you surrender your life to Him for direction. Submitting yourself to Christ's yoke is an act of meekness that leads to more meekness as you learn from Christ. The world is in need of meek Christians. But so is the church. We are in need of followers of Christ who rise above superficial Christianity to live out the paradoxes of the Beatitudes. So allow God's word to penetrate into your inner being. Receive that word that is implanted in you with meekness. And let it drive you to more meekness. Let it drive you to ongoing poverty of spirit. To ongoing mourning over your sins. And then to ongoing meekness before God and before men. Those closest to us, believers and unbelievers, need to see positive the positive spiritual reality of these paradoxes. Particularly the paradox of Christian meekness. They need to see its strength as we are willing to put our lives on the line for others and to stand for the truth and to submit to God. They need to see gentleness and forgiveness They need to see us blessing our enemies and praying for them the way Moses did and particularly the way Jesus did. And when they see this, when they see this in us, they will see Jesus. Let's pray and ask God to help us do this. Father, we thank you for blessing us in your son Jesus who was perfectly meek help us to follow in his example to take up our cross and to die to ourselves and to follow Jesus in meekness help us to do this by the by the power of the spirit who lives in us so that we glorify you so that we honor your son, Jesus, so that we keep in step with the spirit you've given us. We ask for help in the name of Jesus. Amen.